It is January 30th, 2023, and welcome to episode 175 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We are rocking our regular crew today, Jamil Jaffer, NSI founder and executive director, Jessica Jones, a superhero, but not on TV, NSI deputy executive director, and me, Lester Munson, a senior fellow at NSI. Today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting memo that was released by the head of Air Mobility Command, General Michael Minahan, wrote a memo saying that it was his his gut indicated there would be war between the U.S. and China over Taiwan in 2025. He laid out a political scenario of an election in Taiwan that might produce a more independence-minded president in that country, the uh, presidential election we will have here in the United States, which could produce a transfer of power, thus distracting America from a f- global affairs. Uh, and then also, of course, the third term of Xi Jinping, uh, the supreme ruler of China who has consolidated power in his person in a way unprecedented since the days of Mao Zedong. So this this combination of forces led General Minahan to say he sees conflict over Taiwan coming in just two years. He wrote a memo to this effect. It's got some very colorful language, message to warriors to get ready for war, was greeted with some skepticism initially a couple of days ago. And then Congressman Michael McCall, who is the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, basically said on a Sunday talk show yesterday, well, I hope he's wrong, but I have a feeling he's right. And we need to get to get ready for war with China. The Wall Street Journal this morning editorialized that uh, General Minahan is a truth teller and Washington doesn't like truth tellers. There may be some truth in that. Uh, so our discussion today is, is is the U.S. more likely to be at war with China in two years over uh, the fate of the island nation, if you will, of Taiwan? Jamil, what's your reaction to this kerfuffle? Look, I think General Minahan is exactly right. Uh, whether his time frame is precise, uh, you know, who knows? But certainly within the next few years, we need to be prepared for a war with China over Taiwan, or rather, we need to be prepared to watch China invade Taiwan, because I think this administration and potentially a future administration will be prepared to go to war uh, in Taiwan against China. Uh, every sign points to the uh, notion that the U.S. isn't prepared for that conflict. We don't have forward forces. We haven't supplied the Taiwanese with what they need. And I worry that we're going to ca- be caught without the ability to act. And the Chinese are going to take the lesson from the Ukraine conflict. They're going to come in full force. They're going to leave no options and the U.S. won't be able to get there in time and we simply won't be able to do it. And I guess I take a a different perspective from the Russia-Ukraine conflict and China's takeaway from that. I think that they would see, even though Jamil would claim very delayed, but a unified Western response, a consistent one across the last year, you now see the U.S. and European allies sending in tanks. um, And, you know, you see the ostracization of Russia. China has spent much years, decades, money to become a, a you know, a member of the international community, multilateral organizations, established rule of law. And I don't think they're going to gamble that all away, seeing what's happening, seeing the front, the United Front that the West has held up against Russia. Well, I, th- I think it's disputable whether the Chinese are, are big rule of law followers. They haven't, they haven't <laughs> done a single thing they've agreed to do. But putting that aside, I actually think it's interesting um, that you see the, U- the Western Front sort of unified because I agree with you. It has been unified. It's been unified in a weak need amateur hour response to the Ukraine conflict. We could have gone in way ahead of time, provided these tanks prior to the conflict. We could have staved off the Russian invasion. And even if we hadn't staved it off, given now what we understand the Ukraine fighting capability, Ukrainian fighting capability to be, they can use those tanks to have won this conflict by now. We wouldn't have 7,000 civilians dead, 400 children, tens of thousands of injured, millions displaced. 
we'd be in a much better place. And unfortunately, it's been the weak need Western response slowly amping up high Mars eventually, tanks eventually. This conflict had been over months ago. It's our fault. It's where it is. Jamil, I disagree with you on on your weak need uh, metaphor. I think the the Biden administration response since the invasion has been smart, uh, tactically effective, and is is sustainable. The way it applies to a possible war over Taiwan, however, is of concern because one of the things that we've seen in the U.S. response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine is that we have a military industrial complex issue. We are not totally prepared for a a long term war in Europe or, frankly, in the Pacific. Pacific, right? We're seeing our stocks of ammunition and weapon supplies going way down. We need to, to ramp up spending to reload our industrial base. And this, this is a long topic that we're not going to fully address in 10 minutes. But basically, I agree with the notion that amateurs talk about strategy. Professionals talk about logistics. The logistical concern over our assistance to Ukraine is we may not be able to sustain it over years. Russia will try to sustain it over years. We may not be able to. China is looking at that and thinking, how can the U.S. reasonably respond to a crisis 8,000 miles from their border in Taiwan and sustain action against us if we decide to go into Taiwan if they're, if they're struggling to keep up their supplies for something in Ukraine? Jones. Well, Les, I think you raise a really interesting point, though. So kind of like with COVID and the supply chain, do you think China's like, oh, actually, crap? We The U.S. has now spotted a weakness, their industrial base, the production of things like artillery armament. They're now ramping that up. We're increasing our production. We've seen that now as a weakness with just a limited war support to Ukraine. So actually, this might actually be a fear of theirs. They're like, we've seen a hole and we're trying to plug it. But it could also mean that China sees us trying to quickly ramp up, realizing we're probably not going to get there in two years or three years. So their window to act may be much shorter than they thought. Ten years from now, this could be a more difficult thing for them. As we talked about in a previous episode, their economy is not what it used to be. Their population is declining. Their ability to project power over the long run may actually be less than it is now. That's what I was going to bring up. We didn't. We had a whole conversation about you know this social contract the CCP has with its its population the you know promise of prosperity and stability and they're again going to gamble all of that for and I, I don't see the messaging that the you know cross country mobilization propaganda you see with Russia to get their people on board with you know invading Ukraine that you would have I think you'd have to see it across China to be able to see the kind of you know Jamil's looking at me very skeptically. Jamil, I mean, I, I, look, I think, I think, I think you're both you're both exactly right that this is in, in large part a logistical challenge. I think that Les is right that they're more likely to go sooner rather than later if they see us having logistical challenges. And the fact of the matter is, we don't have forces prepositioned forward to really take on this fight. And the Taiwanese are not prepared today to defend that island. And as a result, the the incentives for China to move now. This idea, though, somehow that they are not really motivating their population, they have been flying. Hundreds and hundreds of airplanes and war, war, warplanes over the Taiwanese coast repeatedly. They are preparing. President Xi is preparing this population for this very invasion. I think it's not fair to say they're not actually doing that. One of the things uh, that does uh, kind of give me pause on this whole thing is that we have been hearing a steady drumbeat on possible invasion of Taiwan for decades now. I'm not saying it's not real, but the, the reality is inside China, 
a separate Taiwan may be more politically useful for the Xi Jinping administration than actually unifying with Taiwan. It is, it is a way to galvanize support for his regime, to unify the Chinese people over an international cause, to have a kind of a common enemy, if you will. If he actually goes in and successfully invades Taiwan, all that goes away. And suddenly the political calculus of the Chinese Communist Party changes dramatically. So I think, I think there's going to be an internal reluctance to act because success might actually be worse for them than failure. Jamil, you're, you're, you're making enough faces that you have to respond. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I think that I think that Xi Jinping recognizes that it would be a massive victory if he's the Chinese leader that unifies uh, mainland China with Taiwan. This idea somehow that he's going to put it off because he wants to have a, a patsy. He's got plenty of adversaries around the globe, including us. I don't think he needs Taiwan to be that to sustain the Chinese Communist Party. I think that's not a basis for him not willing to go after it. All right. We're going to let Jamil have the last word. That's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Aga Khan from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debate shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.